welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your feedback and your input on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email, carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com. Now sit back with your favorite beverage and enjoy today's episode. Our first guest today is Sharon Yost Rhodes, who runs the Facebook group Over 50 and Fabulous. Welcome, Sharon, to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. Thank you so much, Carolyn. I'm happy to be here. As a member of the Over 50 and Fabulous Facebook group, I find that your messages are very uplifting. And just when I need a boost, there's the right message. We all need to help each other just remember to be grateful and to focus on the positives. And in doing that, it uplifts us all. So that's totally the reason that I created that group. It's been one of best blessings. One of the things that you talked about just before the new year was to have a word and to focus on that word. Tell me more about that. Why is that important? How do we select our word? This is something I started years ago and toward the end of every calendar year, I just take the time usually between the two holidays, Christmas and New Year's, to reflect and to just pause and think about what has passed and then to get ready for what's ahead. And out of that effort, I started creating a word. I don't even know where the idea came from. But for years now, even when I was working, I would have a word for the coming year. And it comes to me between the holidays when I'm doing the reflecting and projecting what I want to focus on on the coming year. I do a lot of meditation. I do prayer. I listen to all of the messages, for lack of a different word, that I just, that seem to come to me. And so my word for 2021 is possibilities because I truly believe that even in the midst of a pandemic and social unrest that we are faced every day with beautiful, endless possibilities to make things better, to see the good and to help other people. And so the science, if you will, and I'm not a scientist, but my understanding is You know, the brain is an organ in the body that someone can touch, someone can see, someone can actually physically, it's there. But the mind is not seen. The mind can be touched. And yet it controls the brain. It controls our thoughts. And our thoughts control our lives. And so I learned long ago the concept that we always move toward our most dominant thought. So that's probably where this word of the year comes from. What is your word for 2021? Because I want to create a point, a dominant thought, a goal, a focal point, so to speak, that I will move toward throughout the coming year, regardless of what life brings to us. 
that's the whole deal with the word of the, what is your word? That's why I do it. And that's how I do it. I remember that you said your word for 2020 had been vision. And that was a little bit of a joke because 2020 was perfect vision, the, the number. And I knew back a year in December of 2019 that I was probably facing cataract surgery in 2020. So I thought, oh, that'll be my word, vision, because of the, the year, the number of the year and the fact that I was probably going to have cataract surgery. Well, I did, and it was very successful, and it's awesome not to have to wear glasses for the first time in my adult life. But it was a huge lesson for me because I did pick that word with a little bit of humor and lightheartedness. And yet, as I reflected back on 2020, it, this past December, back on my word vision, I realized I entered into 2020 with a little bit of, uh, or maybe a lack of depth of true appreciation for the meaning of my word vision for that year. And yet, as I came out of 2020, I felt like not only had my physical vision improved to being perfect, but just my vision about life, although not perfect, far from it, has improved so much because I now see how important relationships are, how important it is for us to stay grounded and to stay true to what we know is truth and integrity and goodness. And the vision that I was given through my cataract surgery pales to the vision that I was given about what's really important in my life. And so I have a really deep appreciation for that word that I chose almost lightheartedly. One of the other things that you've talked about in the group is shaping our destiny. How do we go about mapping our minds and shaping our destinies? Again, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a brain scientist. I love to study neurolinguistics and I've done some reading in quantum physics. You know, I'm just not smart enough to understand that that's, that's probably, I'm being sarcastic. I can understand anything that I choose to understand. And that is where, that's a little example of how I train my mind or map my mind, if you want to use that. Every time I have that thought, that limiting belief, that thought that would put me down, even though I did it in jest, something within me was belittling, was allowing me to belittle myself. And again, I don't ever want to come across as pompous or as, I, as if I know everything because I don't, but I want to learn. I want to know as much as possible. And so that little still small voice that's within all of us, when it creeps up and causes us to believe that we are less than what God created us to be, then we need to stop, pause, take a breath, recognize it, and then fix it, correct it, change our thoughts, change our language, change the words we use. The words we use out of our mouths are so critically important because if you if you believe, as I do, in creation and read the Bible, 
God created everything with his voice and his voice has energy. It has, I mean, that this is measurable stuff. I'm not talking woo-woo stuff. I'm talking measurable, scientific, vibrational sound has energy. And so he spoke everything into being. We can too. He taught us how to do it by speaking the words that we want to be, that we aspire to be, or by stopping the words that would hold us back and limit us. Because we are, I believe, we are created in his image. And there wasn't anything, there's not anything wrong with him. So what is it that creates that gap in how we think about who and what we are versus who and what we are created to be? So that's how I kind of map my thoughts. I try to catch myself. I, and when I, that still small voice starts pulling me down, it's like, let me rephrase that. Let me, let me think about this differently because truly our mind controls our brain. You are so correct. And let's apply that to children now. The things okay. that we say to our grandchildren will help shape them and help them map their own thoughts. So must say positive things to them and not fill their brains with negative thoughts and negative words. First and foremost, I believe that we need to accept them. And we have a little bit of grace there because when we are parents and we see our children, we have that full pack of responsibility to bring them up in the right way. And so sometimes we get so focused on that that we forget to step back and let them be who they're created to be. I know I did that with my children. And fortunately, in spite, in spite of all that, my children grew up to be healthy, happy, successful adult. I have three sons, adult men. And yet I can see with my grandchildren, there's such joy because I, I have that, that relief, if you will call it, if you will, from the total responsibility of bringing them up. And I can have a lot of fun. And so I see that really as my job to, to help the parents make it a little bit more fun. They have their job and I have my job. And maybe I'm not always totally fun, but sometimes I know I always think back to my, grand, my grandmothers, all of my grandparents, but particularly my two grandmothers were so in instrumental in my development and who I am today. And so a lot of times I will see a situation developing with my children and my grandchildren and just kind of watch. And then I'll remember something that happened that my grandmother, one of my grandmothers said or did and how it, how I remember how it affected me in a positive way. And I draw upon that because it is so important that we accept them. Everybody, every one of us is created a unique human being and accept them as they are created and then give them the love and the grace and the space to figure out who they are. And I, I agree with you, it's so important. In wrapping up the segment, 
what is one piece of advice that you can give our listeners on taking a holistic approach to making sure they're healthy and how can they help ensure that their grandchildren have this healthy mindset? I think look at the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Keep the body healthy. Keep our little little grandchildren healthy. Just think about their little spirits. When they come into the world, they their only fear is fear of falling, really. They don't know any of these other limiting thoughts that we have. Look at a little, a little toddler learning to walk. They get up, they fall down. They get up, they fall down. They get up, they fall down. Never once do they sit down and say, I don't think I can do this, or this is not for me. And yet how many times, how many things in later life do people try and say, this is not for me, or I'm just not cut out for this, or I just wasn't created. It's not in my genes. We can do anything we want to do, anything we set our minds out to do. And I'm talking positive things now. So look at those little beings as precious little spirits and give them the encouragement to be all that they were created to be. And in my belief, teach them how to sit quietly and to pray, to meditate, to listen to music, to think, rather than always have inputs coming at them. That's another tough one. And that's where grandparents can help. So keeping the whole being healthy, body, mind, and spirit is for me, the best thing we can do for our grandchildren, our children, and ourselves. Thank you, Sharon. And tell our listeners how they can find you. I have a website called time for you, T-H-Y-M-E-F-O-R-Y-O-U.net. I'm on Instagram too as Sharon underscore Y underscore Rhodes. And if they choose to join the group, how do they go about that? Oh, the the Facebook group, Over 50 and Fabulous. The only thing I ask is that you be 50 years old or older because we want to create a community of people that are facing the same things. So just go to on Facebook, search for Over 50 and Fabulous. It's a blue banner that says over 50 and fabulous. There's three questions and I just ask, are you over 50? Are you, what are you most interested? What area of your life would you like to upgrade? So I know what people are interested in talking about. And because we have a lot of entrepreneurs in that group, myself being one of them, so are you, Carolyn. Um, I created a little, intentionally created a culture where we would not advertise for our own businesses Yet we've, we've been working together long enough that I just recently created Small Business Saturday. So on the second Saturday of every month, we can share with, other, with our group members what we do. That's what we're all about. Everybody is welcome. We have people in the group from all over the world. And we have some really cool conversations. It, it uplifts me every single day. Our next guest is Carrie Kleppen Wynn, the author of the children's book, Listen, Different is Good. This book is about Brady, the greyhound who finds his superpower. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for having me on today. I'm really glad you could join us. Tell us a bit about Brady, the greyhound. He is not necessarily a rescue greyhound because in his case, he was 
he was at a track that he never raced. He had no desire in racing. So he was very young when we got him. But he's got an alley on one of his feet. He's missing a toe. And this has caused him strife his whole you know life. I mean, he has a limp and he has shoulder issues because of it. And now that he's aging, there's some arthritis things that are going on. But it became very clear to me after we got him, oh my gosh, nine and a half years ago, that he had a very outgoing personality, which I looked into the process of making him a therapy dog. And boy, everything just fell into place because he was absolutely in his heyday as a therapy dog. And we met great people in that process of other therapy dogs and other therapy dog handlers and kids, kids in libraries, kids in schools. And so it just opened up a whole new world to me that I didn't even know existed. And because of that, honestly, is how I ended up kind of getting to where I was and writing this book. What prompted you to actually write it? What was the one thing that you can point to? (laughs) I had a panic attack. (laughs) Not even kidding. Uh, I had a panic attack and I was sitting in church in my choir robe in a choir loft in front of a congregation of people and I could not escape and get away to, you know, resolve the panic attack. And so I had to sit in it and try to occupy myself. And I had had kind of an idea several days prior, thanks to one of my fellow pet therapy friends who had also written a children's book, it it turned out. And he had planted a little seed that I had not really realized. And in the course of the 20 minute sermon, and I literally scratched out the whole idea of a Brady or therapy dog who has all of these things that are very unique only to him and how some people could consider those detriments but how in his case he has made them you know positives and so i scratched all out on the back of my church bulletin can you walk us through a few of the adventures that you've had with him people assume that they can run really really fast which means they're really really hyper but the the truth of the matter is they sleep 20 hours a day and they prefer to be on your couch (laughs) so a lot of his adventures uh include napping Uh, Until we became a therapy dog. And in the course of becoming a therapy dog, you know, he basically gets to do his favorite thing, which is get in the car. He loves to get in the car and go for car rides. In fact, we have to be very careful in our house not to leave the garage, the door to the garage open, because if you pull in and the door is open and you're unloading the groceries, he'll just go get in the back of the car. (laughs) Whether the groceries are in or not, he'll just go get in the back of the car. So, you know, we started with this process of learning his manners and then certifying him as a therapy dog. And those adventures have been incredible because we have gone to libraries in other states. We have gone to nursing home facilities. I, you know, I've taken him back home to where my parents live in South Dakota and we've done visits and we've been able to connect with people in different ways, number one, but also in ways that I never would have connected with or had reason to connect with before. And what about his adventures with the book? So the adventures with the book, so he is a brindle greyhound, which basically means he has stripes. And every person of every age, everywhere that we meet, will say to me, that dog looks like a tiger. And they're not wrong, because he does look like a tiger. But it's just funny how kids will say it, and old people will say it, and our next door neighbor will say it. And, you know, it's that that's one thing that I was like, yep. Tigers are cats. He's a dog. Yes, he has stripes, but he is not a cat. You know, and this is one of those silly things. And so part of the story of his book is 
him struggling with his own identity and how how can a dog with stripes that looks like a cat still be a dog and you know he is a greyhound so he's supposed to run fast but he has no desire to run fast and he he never raced and other greyhounds race so what's wrong with him in that regard so he, he's failed at racing and, and he looks like another kind of animal and people mistake him for all these other kinds of animals and you know it makes him sad it makes him depressed as it will, because he's got this funny looking foot. If he had this injury, some people could take all of those things and lament their differentness and become the victim. But, you know, in our case, we have chosen to embrace all of those differences, to find the good in all of those differences and understand that our superpower actually lies within those differences. And part of his superpower then is becoming a therapy dog and working with people and listening to people and helping people in that regard. Have any of the people you have visited come back to you later and expressed how it has the visit impacted them? Yes, very much so. Um, and I would like to, one perfect example several years ago, we visited a preschool in a small community just outside of Omaha here. And I was the first time we'd ever gone to this particular preschool, and I wasn't sure how he would react to a room full of three and four-year-olds, but he did great. He loved it. The kids loved it. You know, they, they learned about dogs and the proper way to pet dogs and touch dogs. And about two years later, we were at a library, and it was our first visit to this particular library. He had become the read-to-a-dog dog, and... Uh, we were just about done with our hour-long visit, and a, a family came in, and they were hurrying because they had signed up to read to the dog, but they were running late. And the gal, that, the little girl that wanted to read to the dog, she was now in kindergarten and was able to, you know, read sight words and wanted to read to a dog. And she nearly exploded because she had been in that preschool two years prior, and she remembered this dog. So much so that she had asked her parents that year for Christmas for a therapy dog. She, Santa needed to bring her a therapy dog for Christmas, <laughs> which I said to mom, I was like, well, I can talk to you about adopting a dog. And she said, no, we have two dogs at home already. She wants this dog. She wants a therapy dog of her own. So I was thrilled, you know, that she was just so excited to then read her book to Brady, our dog. And I told mom at the time I was working on Brady's story. It was in the early stages of development. I didn't know if I would ever get it completed, but I, I got mom's name and I was like, if I ever get this done, I will make sure she gets a copy of the book. And so I was, you know, thrilled this fall to be able to stick a copy in the mail to her and hopefully she got it, you know, in time for Christmas. Never underestimate the power of what you think isn't a big deal because you just don't know what kind of seeds get planted. That's really sweet. Tell us, Carrie, how can our listeners find you and find your book? So our dog's name is Brady, um, bradythetherapydog.com. Uh, you can buy copies of our book there. You can also see a myriad of pictures of Brady at work with kids and seniors and his career as a therapy dog. And then we also, Brady has a fan page on Facebook as well, the same name, Brady the Therapy Dog, all, you know, all cap, all one word. Um, so there's a fan page on Facebook that you can follow as well. And, you know, that's a little more up to date, day to day. And we post pictures of, 
you know, some of his daily life and his daily activities, as well as some of his work, you know, because right now as a therapy dog, he's kind of unemployed in this whole pandemic situation. He hasn't, he literally hasn't gone to work since February of last year, because, you know, we can't get into hospitals or nursing homes or schools or any of those kind of things. For the last segment of today's podcast, I would like to introduce you to a grandmother from New York who enjoys taking her grandchildren on adventures and is the daycare provider for her youngest grandchild, Tatum. Welcome to Adventures with Grammy podcast and give us a little information about yourself. My name is Rafaela Tasola, also known as Grandma Ray Ray. My husband passed away and I moved in with my daughter and my son-in-law, Scott. I am a grandma of five grandsons and one granddaughter. My youngest being Tatum Michael, who is now 26 months, which I take care of in the daytime. While my daughter and my son-in-law, they uh, work from home. So it's good to know that they're here in the house with me, even though they're upstairs working. I love to go on adventures. I love to take my grandchildren to different places. And when they were young, the older ones, of course, now they don't come in as often. I don't see them. But we do do a lot of adventures with Tatum. He loves the outside. And it's just amazing how many beautiful places we have here in New York City that you can go to uh, different parks that are one more beautiful than the other. Sometimes Scott and Cordy love to take Tatum, not only in parks that you have your slides and your swings, but where there's nature, where he could see birds and would love to see the expressions on his face and how he'll go running after a bird or a squirrel or how he loves just picking up sticks and looking at them and saying, oh, you know, we show him, well, Tatum, this is a small branch and this is a bigger branch and this comes from a different tree and we show him the trees and he just gets so amazed at everything and just seeing him with having this kind of interest at the age of two is it's just amazes me looking at these things through a two-year-old's eyes now instead of my own so it's it's really it's really a great adventure every day being with them tatum is lucky to have you as a caretaker but at 82 years old even with the parents working upstairs that still has to be kind of tiring for you. <laughs> it is very busy day. It's a very, very busy day, but it's a very joyful day for me. It is tiresome, but like I said, it is very, at the end of the day, I feel I didn't sit in a chair all day and do nothing. I feel like I'm accomplishing something. I'm helping my daughter and my son-in-law in the best way possible. And at the same time, I, it's something that I'm doing that I'm really enjoying. 
It's not that I'm going out to work and, oh, well, let me put in my eight hours and get home. I put in a, a wonderful eight hours a day. They do come down and it breaks it up a little bit, even if it's for five minutes that they come down. It's, it's good for Tatum to see them. How are you taking care of yourself so that you can be there for Tatum? We eat very healthy here. I, my son-in-law does a lot of cooking. He's a great cook. And uh, my daughter, she's always with the vitamins and making sure that I'm taking my shakes and, you know, eating healthy. So as far as that, as far as eating wise, they have me on a very healthy way of eating. And I, I get my sleep. I take my vitamins in the daytime. Thank God I am very lucky. I've, I don't have any serious issues. A lot of families are going back to the way life used to be with multi-generational families. And you certainly fall into that category. And tell us about how that came to be. I didn't have a grandma growing up. I had no grandma, so I missed out on that. But I did have a wonderful, wonderful mother. And I think, I know I learned being a grandma from her because we, we lived in a, a house on Douglas Street, South Brooklyn, and it was my grandfather's house. Also, not only did we live there as a family, I have a brother and a sister. And... Uh, my mother and my father, we had one apartment and my, my aunt and my grandfather lived in the other apartment. I had another aunt across the street, another aunt and uncle around the corner. So our house was always full with family. And I always say the generation of today really don't know what that was. And I feel they missed out on a lot because it just brought us all together. I mean, we were around our dinner table all together. Weekends, everybody was there because they were coming to see grandpa. So that was grandpa's house. And um, I feel that that's what I keep with me. I, mean, I have a brother and a sister and we try to stay together. I mean, we're always trying to now, of course, again, it's hard. But before all this happened, we were always making sure that uh, we would get together to go out to eat. Uh, we have cousins that we still are very close with that we grew up with on Douglas Street always coming over. So I, I feel that's where I got it from. And uh, it just lasts with me and I'm, I'm proud of the way my mother took, my father took care of us and made us feel that family, that's where, where we stemmed from. It was quite an adventure when we all got together. <laughs> Tell me about some of the things that you did with your cousins when they came to visit. We always stood with each other. Uh, we had uh, then those it was called a finished basement. It was a basement and we would go down there and we would have all our games down there and play, play music, uh, dance. We were always dancing. It was always a happy house, always laughing and dancing. 
we had a TV, which a lot of people back then didn't have TVs. So, you know, we used to gather on the floor and watch stories, you know, our little cartoons or whatever. So uh, then we just, we just hung out, you know, with each other and, and just till today, we just love each other's company. You know, we'll still text each other, you know, and uh, like I say, we st before all this, we would all get together uh, at least every third month to go out to uh, dinner. But, you know, as time goes on now, it starts changing. We, we've lost so many of us and uh, just thankful for the ones that are still here with us. So let's go back to your being a grandmother and your older grandchildren. Tell me about the adventures that you've enjoyed with them. I used to take them in, we used to go to plays. My grandson, Josh, he used to always go to, love to go to plays with us in New York City. So he's the oldest and uh, we would do that. The other two were into baseball. They, lo they love baseball. So, and my husband definitely grew up on the baseball field. That's how, that was our first date. <laughs> we met we met at a restaurant where his aunt and uncle owned the restaurant on Third Avenue across the street from where I used to work. We met there one night and uh, he says, you ever go to a baseball game? He says, how's about tomorrow? I pick you up and, you know, take you to see me play baseball. So <laughs> that was our, our first date together, going out and watching him play baseball. So my two young, uh, uh, the two younger of my son Anthony's uh, sons, they they were into baseball, and uh, we would always go and watch them play ball. If it, they lived in Florida or if they lived in Ohio, where wherever it was, my husband would say, "Oh, they got a tournament. We're going. We'll be there." and uh, Anything baseball. We love, they love to go to museums also. I used to take them to a lot of museums. Uh, the uh, Queens Museum, they used to love to go there. They loved uh, the uh, museums in New York City that we took them to. They also loved Disney World. We took them there quite a few times. Tell me more about the museums. What particularly drew the children's attention? They liked art a lot. So we used to always uh, take them to where they could see a lot of art, a lot of pictures of people and learn about that, about the different artists and what they were doing. What's your relationship with them now? Oh, it's, it's good. They call me quite often. What advice do you have for grandparents in maintaining relationships with older grandchildren? Always, well, I'm a Texan, so I usually do a lot of texting uh, to my grandchildren. And I would say, if you call and you don't get an answer, leave a message and always end it with, I love you. If you don't get a message back, or if you don't get a call back, that's okay. You do it again. Because you know, even though everybody 
has their own lives and everybody gets caught up into them and and you get busy and sometimes, you know, okay, grandma called me, but they know grandma called and they know grandma loves them. And it's always nice to know, no matter who it is, that somebody loves you. That's how I feel. My mother had a saying when Claudine was younger. Um, and I used to say to her, Ma, you're spurling her. And she would say, you don't spurl them, you love them. And I believe in that. I believe no matter what, uh, it's, a, it's a crazy world out there and everybody gets wrapped up into their own, their own things. And that's okay. You know, I know somebody that tells me, ah, I'm not gonna call my grandchildren. They never call back. And every time I hear that, I go, oh, you know, so what that they don't call back? You know, just leave a message. Let them know you're there. Let them know you're okay and you're thinking about them. I know some people don't think that way, but that's the way I think. I guess it it stems from my mother. You don't spoil them, you love them. And I do love them. <laughs> Even though sometimes <laughs> you say to yourself, they're getting old now. <laughs> Where's my life going? <laughs> Thinking about it now, I'm saying my oldest one is like 28 years old. So are there great-grandchildren in the future? Nope, I'm still waiting even for a granddaughter-in-law. <laughs> what other words of wisdom would you like to share? Like I always tell my grandsons, the older ones, when they're venturing out to jobs or doing things, I always say to them, one step at a time, and you'll get to the top of the ladder. Don't run it. And I feel you got to take your life one day at a time. You're going to have the, the rocky days. You're going to have the good days. Absorb the good days and learn from the bad, from the rocky ones. What about for other grandparents? What advice do you give, would you give them? Enjoy. Enjoy every minute you can with your family, with your grandchildren. Don't be harsh on things that they do. Just, you know, I know there's a lot of things that are going on and the olders don't really agree with the younger generation and makes for different opinions. And that's what life is about. It's an opinion. Everybody has their opinion. And sometimes grandparents, we, we jump to conclusions before we say, well, that's their opinion and I have my opinion. So I think, listen a little more maybe. L listen to the younger a little more. Some, sometimes we can learn from them and sometimes we just have to listen. I'm impressed that 82, you like to text. <laughs> yes, I do, I really do because Sometimes, I guess it's like the young generation, you just want to hurry up, say what you want to say, and don't get into a long conversation over it. <laughs> what do you want your legacy to be? Just to remember me the way I am, and maybe learn that it's okay to make mistakes, because I know I've made quite a few in my day, and it's okay to say, I'm sorry. Anything else you want to share with our listeners? 
just enjoy life. Enjoy every minute. My husband had a saying, and he would say, have a day. Don't have to be a good day. Don't have to be a day, bad day, sad day. Just have a day. Have it, make it whatever you want it to be. So I'm going to say have a day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. If you did, I would like for you to do two things for me. One, hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes of the podcast and ask your family members and friends to do the same. The second thing is to visit the website adventureswithgrammy.com and look on the menu bar and click on the link newsletter sign up. That will give you access to my monthly newsletter. Also, ask your family members and friends if they will sign up too. Please feel free to contact me, carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com, with any comments or suggestions.